0: Amos chapter 9 verses 1 through 10. I saw the Lord standing beside the altar and he said, strike the capitals until the thresholds shake and shatter them on the heads of all the people and those who are left of them I will kill with a sword. Not one of them shall flee away. Not one of them shall escape. If they dig into Sheol, from there shall my hand take them. If they climb up to heaven, from there I will bring them down. If they hide themselves on the top of Carmel, From there I will search them out and take them. And if they hide from my sight at the bottom of the sea, there I will command the serpent and it shall bite them. And if they go into captivity before their enemies, there I will command the sword and it shall kill them. And I will fix my eyes upon them for evil and not for good. The Lord God of hosts, he who touches the earth and it melts, and all who dwell in it mourn, and all of it rises like the Nile and sinks again like the Nile of Egypt. Who builds his upper chambers in the heavens and founds his vaults upon the earth. Who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out upon the surface of the earth. The Lord is his name. Are you not like the Cushites to me, O people of Israel, declares the Lord? Did I not bring up Israel from the land of Egypt and the Philistines from Kaphtor and the Syrians from Kir? Behold, the eyes of the Lord are upon the sinful sinful kingdom and I will destroy it from the surface of the ground except that I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob, declares the Lord. For behold, I will command and shake the house of Israel among all the nations as one shakes with a sieve, but no pebble shall fall to the earth. All the sinners of my people shall die by the sword, who say, Disaster
1: shall not overtake or meet us.
0: This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God and good morning to another sunny day in the book of Amos. Um, We have today the destruction of Israel uh, prophesied. And, you know, it's interesting in these passages, um, you know, we know that the destruction of Israel, of Jerusalem, it was all like carried out by human kingdoms. But that in prophecy, it's made clear that it's God's hand behind all of it. And so here we have this very haunting and intense Uh, sort of profile picture of God as the military commander. He's he's standing by the altar shouting orders um, and giving this kind of battle speech um, to all of heaven's armies regarding uh, the evildoers of Israel, who once again uh, have created and, uh, you know, perpetuated these lifestyles of ease and comfort and recreation by crushing and abusing their neighbors um, and fellow people of God. So we have all this. There's, there's one little bright spot in verse eight that where he says, except that I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob. So we got that going for us. (laughs) Things are looking up, (laughs) but other than that, um, we we got a lot of destruction and weight. So Greg, please help us make sense of Amos chapter nine. Oh man,
0: um, yeah, this is uh, this is another, this is another heavy one. But I I think it's good you made a comment. I think it was two days ago about this sort of being a gilded age, mm-hmm. the age we're living in, and and really sort of the age that they're living in is sort of a a gilded age in that. It's sort of everything's kind of clean and you know, the, the image being projected as one of sort of a lack of problems where underneath there's a lot of corruption and a lot of, a lot of problems. So I think it's important to remember as you read this, that this is in answer to all of that. Like he is wrapping up a long, um, a long story about what his response to the injustice is going to be. So if, if you read, you really can't read Amos nine in, um, Uh, in isolation uh, and say like, well, God's just, you know, that you like, maybe you like verses about judgment, but um, this is in response to injustice. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that, I think that the first thing that to me is to put injustice in, injustice against people and God's response to it into proper context. And I think that, um, you know, you think to yourself, well, what's so, what's so bad that you got to, massacre all these people that all these thousands and thousands of people are going to go through all this death and destruction and treating the poor people like commodities, um, uh, not, not keeping the Sabbath holy, um, mm-hmm. a general lack of societal righteousness. But I think that once again, if you read this today, you, I think you got to read as, as you do throughout the Bible as Christians, like we're the Israelites, like we're the, we're the, <laughs> we're not, we're not the good guys on the outside going, like, how could these people be so stupid? Mm-hmm. Instead, you should be like, where are our blind spots today? Mm-hmm. Um, and I do, you know, I was uh, reading yesterday an um, uh, uh, article about um, sort of the history of Christianity's taken in, in bringing justice around the world and sort of mm-hmm. how the gospel has sort of been the singular thing that has improved society wherever it's gone. Mm-hmm. And in the course of that discussion, they were talking about. Um, Abortion and like what what is the what, what you know what what positions does the historical Christian position on abortion and what is it today mm-hmm. and in the course of that conversation the 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 author of the article just made a point that um today that that uh children who are aborted are their remains are burned mm-hmm. um and I just thought about that and thought about the idea that we are living in a society that is literally burning its own children mm. and how little how little we've improved in thousands and thousands of years. If you know anything about Molech worship in the Old Testament that involved child sacrifice. Um, and if you if there was, there used to be a podcast, I don't know if it's still around called Freakonomics, Economics. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they wrote a book too. Yeah. And one of the troubling um one of the troubling conclusions in Freakonomics, Economics, and the guy said, I don't want really want to trumpet this but people wonder why was there such a drop-off in crime and, and sort of poverty from the 70s into the 80s and 90s. And he said, frankly, it coincides with how abortions controlled the population. Mm. Because it's probably not something you want to like, it's a correlation. It's not a causation. It's probably not something you want to advertise. But essentially, he's implying that because we killed a couple million babies, it made things better for the rest of us. Mm. And I want you to say that as a Christian, you may not support abortion, and I hope you don't. Um, but... As an American, if that is true, if we benefit from it, you passively benefit from the mm-hmm. most awful kind of injustice. Mm-hmm. And if that doesn't make you want to have God dig people out of the bottom of the sea and off the top of mountains and wherever mm-hmm. they burrow in the ground to punish them, mm-hmm. um, then I don't know what does. And so when I read this, it just makes me very sad um, for how awful human beings are to each other how awful sin, uh, pervades every stitch of the earth Mm -hmm. The creation groans, uh, and that we groan. Um, and it makes me, I don't want anyone to be (laughs) judged, but it makes me cry out for God's answer to injustice and Mm -hmm. that Jesus would come again and make every wrong right and every path straight in every valley level. Um, Mm -hmm. and I don't know, it just, it, it just makes me reflect, on what a wonderful god we have that all of the awfulness that has taken place he has an answer for so inside that that's what i think when i read this
1: yeah absolutely you know this is why i'm a huge proponent of reading fiction like a massive proponent of reading fiction because mm-hmm. it's actually made me so much more comfortable with god's justice and actually more like yearn for it i'm looking at like my bookshelf over here and you know and i've mentioned these before but i see the road by Cormac McCarthy. The Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison, a bunch of others Mm -hmm. where you're just reading it and uh, it it kind of like taps into that emotion of like thinking about burning an aborted child. Like it, Mm. it taps into that just like sickly, awful, gross feeling. And it makes you yearn for justice. And I think that the reason that we need to read stuff like that and not just like peachy theology books or like Atomic Habits or whatever, which I'm reading Atomic Habits, nothing wrong with that. But if you like only read kind of like this positive, like whether it's like business or theology, Mm -hmm. like thought development, thought leadership, self-help, you're actually continuing to insulate yourself from understanding the world the way that God does. And there's something about stories that actually like help us do that. And so It is really important to like break ourselves out of the insulation and to look at like, you know, abortion, sex trafficking, Mm -hmm. modern day slavery, all these things that are really easy to avoid. And instead, like the things that we can get riled up about is like some politician like saying something stupid that is literally not going to affect your life at all. Right. Um, and yet you are totally closing your eyes to like grave injustice. And so, you know, it, it, it really is important that we tune our hearts into reality. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and in this ironic way, like there's something about, uh, there's true stories. I mean, IJM does a great job of like broadcasting these stories that are like true modern day stories of slavery and sex trafficking and stuff. But also like, uh, you know, novels and just like storytelling will open up your eyes to the real world more than some of the like quote nonfiction yeah. stuff that we like entertain ourselves with. So that's just like a little soapbox of mine. But you know, I, I do think there's there's an interesting dynamic going on in verses the end of verse eight through nine and ten where uh you know so there's this little promise that I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob. And then it doesn't seem to stay super positive, but it actually kind of does. Mm -hmm. Um, Verse 9, For behold, I will command and shake the house of Israel among all the nations, as one shakes with a sieve, but no pebble shall fall to the earth. And so basically that sieve image is really important because it's this idea of, you know, it's, uh, it's constructed, a sieve is constructed where as you shake it, the good wheat stays in. But the chaff and like all the lesser, you know, parts of the wheat fall out. And so this is, you know, tomorrow is like the one positive passage in the book of Amos. Tomorrow is the restoration of Israel. But we're starting to get there in verses 9 and 10, which is basically that God is saying, even in this great wrath and fury, he's not just throwing Israel into hell. He's not just like giving up but that he's he's going to shake wickedness out and keep this remnant of people who will turn to him and who will look to him. And there's like a great beauty there and my mind immediately went to like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Mm-hmm. And you know these different figures that we find later on in the narrative, like historical narrative of the Old Testament, people living in Babylon uh, or wherever or Nehemiah is a good example, people who live in foreign lands um, and are faithful to God. And mm-hmm. so this is not God forsaking his covenant, but it's him refining a people that will call on him. And um, and so I think that that is important to realize is, is that God is not breaking covenant with the people of Israel, mm-hmm. but he is He's seeking to refine a people that will turn to him.
0: That's awesome. And I think as you're sitting there at home,
1: the people that are going to call him is us. Mm-hmm. Amen. You know, like, this
0: is, this is, this is, this is the root that, that we're grafted into It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Beautiful.
1: Amen. Amen. Well, for the great Conman Greg Conley, this is Will Carlisle and we've got one more left in the book of Amos. So we'll see you tomorrow on our daily rhythm. Thanks for listening to our daily rhythm. 1737 or email me directly at jason at christ covenant dot com we'll meet you again tomorrow for our daily rhythm